Good morning, everybody. All right, you can all stand with us, please. All right. We are the youth group band. We're not the normal band. So I thought that we, maybe we could introduce everybody real quick. So I'm Ella. And then this is on the acoustic, Xander. Hey. And then we got Peyton, he's singing. You got Hello. Jason, he's not young anymore, but he's youthful. <laughs> he's on the bass. Hello. And you got Lucas on the drums. And Jasmine singing. They got Hi. Luke on the acoustic and then Stephanie on the piano. So <laughs> this morning the devil's definitely been trying to like get in the way of today. I feel like he's been attacking my health and I just think that we should just give him all the praise today. Even if, if I stop singing, y'all better just keep going, keep singing. <laughs> Go for it, alright. And before we start, we're going to have Peyton pray so we can get our hearts in the right mindset. Our minds in the right mindset, sorry. <laughs> Y'all could go ahead and just uh, bow your heads as we open up in prayer. All right. <clears throat> Dear God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that you've given us another day, another opportunity here to be with you. God, I just ask that you be with all of us here as we open up and worship. Lord, be with Ella, protect her. In her health, Lord, um, I pray over this whole congregation, Lord, that your spirit, they'll just, um, they'll just go and thrive and enter the hearts and minds of everyone here. Pray for Pastor Eric, Lord, that as he's teaching, Lord, that the spirit will guide him, that his message will reach across to everybody here, that everyone will have something, that when everyone leaves today, they will remember something something good from this from this sermon today in Jesus name amen, amen. all right let's bless him
can we have the deacons come up at this time? James 5.14 says that is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So if anyone of you has a need, a prayer for anything, no matter what it is, come up to the altar and bring it to God and have them pray for you and he will answer.
before we start, this is our last song. I think we all know this song. This is, we sing this song in youth probably about every single time that we have live worship. I think it's, it's probably my favorite song. But I wanted to read a verse that God, I think he brought to my attention this morning. I might butcher it. <laughs> it's, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship with the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the thing that God's been kind of dealing with me this week is come, like, coming in with a heart of worship whenever we lead. If you think about it, we're all worship leaders, really. Like, we might be on this stage, but really what makes you a leader, it's your heart for God. It's when you're worshiping in truth. And this, this song, Worthy of It All, I think it's, it's really, it's, Oh, my words. <laughs> I think it's just important that we all come here and we all have these burdens or maybe we have plans and we want things to go a certain way. And if anything, this week God has shown me that it's His way is better. And so, so when we just sing this song, I feel like we should just sing it just to worship Him, not to expect anything like... From him, we just need to tell him how worthy he is and lift up his name. And that's that's what I'm feeling for this one. So
not awesome? Amen. That was good musically, but it was, it carried an anointing upon it. And so as I, um, as I was thinking about them leading this, I thought the old saying that I heard years ago, it's like if you're walking down an old gravel road and you see a turtle on a fence post, you got one one thought, he didn't get there by himself, right? Somebody had to put that turtle on that fence post. And so as I watched them and listened to them move into the presence of God, I thought they didn't get there by themselves. Thank God for godly people sowing into their lives, right? So we want to honor Carla and Jason today. God bless you. But Carla and Jason is not nearly as important as the parents. And so thank you parents for pouring into your children. I um, teach the class, I actually don't teach it, they teach me. But I said in the class of 20 to about 30 year olds, we call it like a college age class. And, and uh, we were talking this morning and I, I talked about how at, at their age, they sing the song, The Goodness of God, and it's words coming out. You know, Lord, I thank you. You've been faithful. But when I sing it, (laughs) I go back to times in my life of adversity. This morning as we sang that, I went back to the time where I brilliantly bought two houses at one time. My (laughs) wife was working two days a week and I'm making about a dollar an hour over minimum wage. And I I was a brilliant financial person. and then I had a son that was born crippled. And I remember thinking, laying in bed one time, and I was thinking, and I was talking to Treva, and I said, it looks like we might lose everything. And Treva spoke these words to me. She said, well, we never had much anyway. <laughs> no, she, just, she didn't say that. She said, I don't care about things. She said, I'll live in a tent with you. And when she said that, the peace of God came over my heart. And it's it's the times of adversity that make Jesus so sweet. And so this morning as we sang, how faithful you are. That's where my mind went. Back to that time when, you know what? You know, we never missed a payment 
You know, we never was late on a payment because of the faithfulness of God. God has been faithful. And today, Christians live this life of every time the storm blows. You know what I'm talking about. The storms of adversity, when they start blowing our life, we say, deliver us. Deliver us. Deliver us. Give me out of this, God. Rather than saying, get me through it, Lord. Teach me what I need to learn in these times, right? See, it's the storms of life that make us strong. That's why James says, consider it all joy when you go through divers. And I'm preaching another sermon. So let's, uh, let's stop that. I mean, let me give you a few announcements. Amen. Uh, if you still have your membership form, if you're ready to fill out the membership, those of you that have been taking that, you don't, don't have to at all. But if you want to, just turn that into Eugene at any time. About the 1st of March, Eugene and Stephanie will start teaching a class on the Holy Spirit. I really encourage you to take that. It'll lay a nice foundation for you um, so that you can begin to move forward. On the 9th, um, the ladies are going to have a meeting and Mary is stepping up to teach you. Uh, so it's going to be a Bible study um, starting on the 9th. They'll do it once a month. I think it's going to be the second Friday of the month, about 6 or 6.30, I believe. It's in the bulletin. Um, you know, that bulletin that you pick up and never read. <laughs> Yeah, you might look at it. Uh, and then the next day is our street reach where we'll go out and minister and just take food. And, and it's not so much the food, as the, it's the love and kindness and the prayer that we're taking to the people. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. Let the Lord use you. Amen. Today we're talking about running the race. Running the race. So if you... What's that? Yes, Tuesday the men are meeting here at the church because Arthur is going to be in Nashville all day um, getting signed up to get a new kidney. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He gets that kidney, we're going to put him to work. <laughs> Amen. John 16. Are you there? St. John. Okay. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he has offered God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I have told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine." Therefore, I say to you that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you today. And I pray today, Lord, that you do exactly that. That you'll take what is yours and that you'll plant it in our heart. God, I pray, Lord, that the words spoken today would be anointed by the Spirit of God so that it would be planted in our hearts to bear much fruit. God, we have come today with a very much an expectant spirit and heart because we believe that the, the implanted word, the word is going to be planted in our heart and that great things are going to come from that. God, I pray, Lord, I know that you're speaking to all of us, but Lord, I believe that you're speaking to some very specifically today. So God, I pray that all would listen, but, but the others, Lord, would make a demand on the Spirit. That the Spirit of God would sow into their heart exactly what they need. So God, only you know who those are. So Father, we just commit that to you. But Lord, we have come to receive today from the book of life, (laughs) the power of God that's able to stabilize us, that's able to take us to the next level. Father, I thank you and I give you praise. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Running the race. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we've got skin in the game, guys. It's not all about what Jesus is going to do for you, to you, or through you. It really is everything about how much are you going to apply yourself. Today in the book of James, our whole lesson was be doers of the word. See, my grandfather knew the word, but he was still ornery. I mean, really ornery. But it wasn't until you start doing the word that the word begins to bear fruit in your life and you begin to change. And he says, I love Hebrews 12. He says, we need to lay aside every sin and weight. I love the fact that he makes a difference in those two words. See, there are some, for the last week or two, we've been talking about works of the flesh, and it's pretty evil. It looks pretty nasty. You know, adultery and fornication and all those things. And a couple weeks ago, I preached to you about the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the flesh because I wanted you to identify that you're more in the camp of the Spirit than you are in the works of the flesh. Now, there was probably a time in your life where when you would read the works of the flesh, you'd say, man, he should put my picture beside that. You know, I sure identify with that. That's that's me. I never knew the Bible had my name in it, but right, right there I am. But today, as we read about the works of the flesh and then you read about the fruit of the Spirit, I believe that most people are saying, Jesus has really done a work in me. He's taken me out of one camp and now he's placed me in another. And now I'm identifying with the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is not me, but it's the Spirit in me that's producing a fruit. So he says in Hebrews, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews, um, but he, the writer of Hebrews is saying we need to lay aside those works of the flesh, but he doesn't stop there. 
so your work hadn't stopped. Just because you're not identifying anymore with the works of the flesh, that don't mean you get to stop. Now he's saying, and the weight. (laughs) You know, the weight is not sin. I was talking to a Sunday school class today and I said, I think I'm a chocoholic. (laughs) I mean, I really got a sickness. And every night after we eat supper, I'm like a hound dog. I'm just getting up thinking, where's the chocolate? Where's the chocolate? And Treva's pulling a fast one on me. She's quit buying it. And so, so now I'm like, we got to make something in this house. I got to have a brownie or chocolate covered nuts or something. We, we got to do something. I'm, I'm craving. I need my fix. Right. <laughs> and so, there's things in our life. I, I use this thing in, in Sunday school, and I thought it had a great relevance. As you walk in with the Lord, the Lord's going to start fine-tuning you. And there may be, He may tell you something like this. I want you to quit reading People magazine. Whoa, 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 Holy Ghost. Right? There ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just full of gossip. But it's not going to get you to the place where he's taken you. And so he may start saying, this ain't necessarily, this is not going to send you to hell. But it's not going to get you to the place where I want to carry you. So lay aside that. And then the last couple words of this, and run with endurance. Don't be weary in well-doing. We will reap. We have a promise from the Father. We win. You hear me? But don't stop running. So these verses today are about running the race. And so in chapter 14, he looks at his disciples and he says, I'm getting ready to go away. I've got to go, you know, but you're coming later. And he said, they're filled with sorrow, of course, and they have questions. And Thomas says, uh, Jesus says, you know the way. And Thomas says, no, we don't. We don't know the way. Where are you going? And he said, Thomas, I am the way. And then chapter 15, he tells them, guys, you got to be hooked into the vine. you got to draw your nourishment from me, be hooked into my presence. And then he says, but be also hooked into my love, which you're going to find your identity in the love of Christ, right? And then he says the statement, by the way, the world's going to hate you. Mm, that, ain't, that ain't just pleasurable, Right? Oh, the closer you get to me, the more they're going to hate you. And so that's what he's starting today. And so the race is on. In a race, I know I look like I've got a runner's body. But <laughs> the only time I run is if I got diarrhea. Really? So <laughs> you may see me, you may see me trot out of here. <clears throat> That's too much, too much information in it. But actually, I ran in eighth grade. I was a runner, and they, I was slow. I was a chubby little kid, and I was slow back then. And so they tried to put me in a relay race, because you can sort of hide your misfits in a relay race sometimes. So, well, that kid's slow, put him in the second. And sometimes a relay, you know what I'm talking about? It's four runners, and they're passing a baton off, right? Boom, boom, boom. And so in those relay races, you can be winning until that last, the number three guy 
goes and he goes to hand the baton. And there's a real art. They practice that constantly. Where that guy's running and the the next guy has already took off running. The, you've got to catch him. So he slows up just enough to be able to put that baton in his hand and keep on going. So he's already got the momentum. And I've seen it before where people will drop the baton. And when you drop the baton, bam, you might as well just be out of the race. Momentum have stopped. You've done blown it because of a, a mishap. That's what the scripture's talking about. See, there are times in our life when we go through transitions. And that's what this is. See, Jesus is so insightful. He's saying, this is the biggest transition you'll ever face in your life. You know what divorce is? Divorce is a transition. You know, some transitions you make on your own accord, other transitions are made for you. Right? The judge may look at you and say, I got two choices for you, boy. You're either going to jail or you're going to teen challenge. But there's going to be a transition in your life. Are, are you getting it? Sometimes you make it. Sometimes others make it for you. Regardless, there's a real chance of stumbling at the transition. And Jesus loving his disciples so much, he says, I want you to know what I know. I want you to be forewarned, forearmed, so that you can go and so that you will not stumble in this transition. And so he's just as honest with them as he can be as he begins to tell them these things. See, the devil wants you to stumble because he knows if, if he can make you stumble, he can almost pull you out of the game, right? So Jesus is warning his disciples and he says not to stumble, that you should not be made to stumble. The word there in the Greek is scandalon. That you should not be made to scandalon. Where do you think, what word do you think we get out of that? Scandal, right? You would not stumble. A scandalon is a piece of wood that holds a trap open so that an animal will go in. You bait the trap, right? You bait this trap. And there's a piece of wood there holding that trap door open. And when the animal goes in, he hits that piece of wood, piece of wood and the trap door comes down. And you got your animal. And I want you to see that's what the devil wants for you. Whether you know it or not, the devil has set traps in your life so that he can hold you captive. All through scripture, he talks about walking in liberty, walking in freedom, but the devil don't want that for you. The devil wants to keep you captive. He wants to get you off. And the, the better you're doing, now think about this, the disciples were misfits, right? But in three years, they're doing pretty good. Three years they've walked with Jesus. Three years they've heard his teaching. Three years they've seen his miracles. And every time being challenged like, wow, I didn't know you could control the wind and the waves. You know, I didn't know you could feed 5,000 people with a couple of pieces of fish. You amaze me. But now 
They're getting ready to go through the biggest transition of their life. I often wonder when the Lord brings me to a passage like that. I believe that that God is a very timely God. And I wonder how many of you are in a state of transition right now. Maybe you've just retired. Maybe you're taking a new job. Maybe you're looking to get married. Lots of transitions in life. And if you're not careful, you can stumble in the transition. It's the bait that Satan has put. And that bait is offense. He says in Proverbs 18, 19, a brother that is offended is harder to win than a strong city. Now there's lots of baits. But this is one of the biggest bait. <clears throat> Have you ever tried to get to get someone to go to church with you that's been offended by church? Not easy, is it? Been on that scene, done that, didn't treat me good. Ugly people go to church. <clears throat> Bless God, not not here. <laughs> they go to the Baptist church, by the way. No, I'm just... <laughs> I'm teasing. Take that off Facebook. It's one thing to be offended by the preacher. It's one thing to be offended by someone else in the congregation. Have you ever met anybody that got offended by God? That person is very difficult to try to tell them that God is good. Because God didn't heal my dad. God didn't do this for me. When I was at a critical time, I prayed and God didn't hear me. God didn't answer. And they become offended and disappointed with God. And I think the Lord is telling us something here. Hey, make sure offense is not in your heart. Make sure you give that up and walk in forgiveness. Don't don't let offense take you out of the game. It's a trick of the devil. So he's, he's talking to them. And he's saying, the, the world's going to hate you. Now that's hard. That's hard to receive. But he goes, one more. He says, by the way, they're going to kick you out of the synagogue. That doesn't mean a thing to us, does it? I mean, very, very little. It's like, well, big deal. You know, so if I kick some of you out of church both times you come a year, you would be... <laughs> You would be relieved probably. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But to them, the synagogue was the highlight of the community. And so everything happened around, you know, the church used to be like that. Did you know that? Help us, Lord, get back to where the church leads and not follows. Amen. Amen. But to them, he's saying... The world is going to ostracize you. That's a strong word. And you ever had anybody pull the silent treatment on you? You see what they're doing? They're manipulating you. They're putting pressure on you through their quietness for you to conform back to what you, so that you would do something or be some way. They're putting that pressure on you. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing will cause them to stumble. 
or nothing will cause them to be offended. Do you realize that you can go through life and be unoffendable? You know, the men are studying this book right now. That's, that's the title of it, Unoffendable. Yeah, sort of what I think. <laughs> not there yet. That's why I'm preaching it, because I'm not there. Um, but I know the Lord wants us to become unoffendable. So that we are so tracking with Him that we will not let anything else deter us keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, right? We we keep that. These things happened just as Jesus told them. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, chapter early in 6, they anointed seven men to do some work in the ministry so that apostles could give themselves to prayer and Bible study. These seven men go on to do great and mighty things. They become preachers and evangelists and great, great men of God that was working. And one is given in, in verse 8, and his name is Stephen. He's one of the first ones mentioned in the list. He's the first one. And these men had to be full of faith and righteousness and of, of a good report. And he says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. That sounds wonderful, right? Why would that make people mad? Chapter Verse 10 and 11 says, They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. They secretly induced men to say that they had heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Chapter 7, verse 51, this is all telling a story. Verse 51, he says, You stiff neck and uncircumcised heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Verse 54 says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with teeth. Have you ever been mad enough at somebody that you wanted to bite them? Happened one time in my life. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you just mark my words. You lost it. When you want to bite somebody because you're so mad, you're out of control. This crowd was out of control. They literally wanted to hurt him in any way they could. They says they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And witnesses laid down their claws at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. Whew. Mm-mm-mm. Listen to what he said. Saying, Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Stephen, at the time of being stoned, is walking in forgiveness. He could have stumbled right then. He could have said, God, get them. Get them back, God. Some of the old time prophets did that, right? But Stephen, walking full of love and forgiveness, said, God, does that sound like anybody you know? Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It says, and when he said this, he fell asleep. I love that. Oh, some of you, 
you think about death in a lot of different ways. But I'm going to tell you, for the believer, I believe Jesus is going to just have us fall asleep. Now, was his death glorious? He was being stoned, folks. You know that hurts, right? And yet, the Bible says he just fell asleep. Did it not hurt him? No, I'm not saying that. He, he was in a physical body. But I'm saying the Lord did something so marvelous that the peace of God came upon him. And he was able to walk in forgiveness and love at a time that was so gruesome. And the Bible says, and he just fell asleep. Right? What, what, what about the power of God? You see, we so underestimate the power of God. So when you're going through your transition, maybe of the one that you did not desire, maybe one that was done to you, not by you, all of a sudden you want to throw your hands up and say, where are you, God? And he says, I'm right beside you. And I'm going to give you the strength because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I'm going to empower you to go through this. And when you go through this, when you come on on the other side of this, you're going to be stronger than you ever been in your life. And through this test, you're going to have a testimony so that you can glorify God. That's where we get strong. The winds that blow against us. Satan thinks, I'm going to take him out with this one. No, no, no. You ain't taking nobody out, Satan. Because our roots are grounded. We are deep. You see, the Spirit of God. It's oftentimes like this when you go through adversities that people leave the church. We all just take a pen and write stupid on their forehead. That's how dumb we are. The Bible says it. We're like dumb sheep going astray. Folks, when adversity blows, you run to God, not away from Him. Even when you don't understand that He's still in control. He's got this. You hear me? By the Spirit of the Lord, I speak this. He's got this transition. Will you walk in faith? And when you get to the other side, you're going to see something glorious. Because God is going to allow you to grow and mature in Him. Jesus told him, He said, I'm going away. And then He says something really interesting. He said, you are so eat up with sorrow, you're not even asking the natural questions. Have you ever been so consumed by a problem that your mind didn't work right? That, that's what he's saying. Do you know that grief can, can just make you not think right? There's lots of things that will happen to you in this life that your mind is just, it's just out there. And you need some kind of grounding force. And Jesus said, you're not even asking the questions that you asked last chapter. You know, when I first told you this, you said, where are you going? Why can't we just come with you, right? But now, it's like reality is setting in enough that they're saying, you're not kidding about this. You're really leaving us? 
Folks, I'm telling you, they couldn't see anything good about Jesus leaving. And Jesus was saying, you're not getting it. This is the best thing I can do for you is to get out of Dodge. I'm telling you, the ways of man, the thoughts of man go contrary to the thoughts of God. And oftentimes, the things that we think are going to damn us are, are made to build us. God said, just trust me in this. Sorry about that. <laughs> just trust me in this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Don't give up on God. Cling a little closer. Anything that you are going through, He didn't cause it. I want you to understand that. God doesn't cause bad things to happen to His people. But when you go through it, you have a choice because you're in a transition. And the choice is, will I trust Him? Can I trust Him? And when you get through it, you're going to sing a song, The Goodness of God. And you're going to sing it like, all my life you've been faithful. Mm-mm-mm. Ain't nothing like it, folks. All my life. When I didn't even know you were there. That was the worst moment in my life, Jesus. I had no idea that you had me by the hand. Folks, I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. Trust God. When you don't know what things are, are happening, you don't understand what's happening, you still trust Him. He's going to carry you through. We have some dear friends, Joe and Lori Marler. They were trying to adopt some babies, childless. And they adopted a set of twins from Florida. Florida state loss gives the mama 10 days. And on day 10, mama said, I want my babies back. Boy, by that time, their heart was so attached to those little guys that Joe told me, he said, Eric, he said, all I, he said, I, I just clung to two things. I knew God loved me. And I knew, I forgot what the second thing was, but I knew he'd get me through this or something like that. See, sometimes life has a way of shaking us so much. But what do you, where's the foundation? Where's the foundation of the truth? Do you realize he said you need to be grounded, you need to be in the vine, but in my love. This is why he's talking. So when the transitions come in life, when the adversity blows, you go back to the point. I don't know much, but I know he loves me. And I know he'll carry me through this life. He'll make me strong. Psalms 19, verse 7 through 9, we used to sing this. I'm not going to sing it for you, so you're, you're safe this morning. <laughs> it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Listen to this last line. The judgments of the Lord are true 
and righteous altogether. I promise you this. God will never do anything in your life that's not for your good. Everything. Good from you leaving me, Jesus. But Jesus says, you just don't understand. It's not good, it's wonderful. He goes on, he says, I've got to leave. But I'm going to send you a helper. Hallelujah. Do you realize if Jesus still walked on the streets of Galilee, do you realize if you had a problem and wanted to talk to Jesus, how long it would take you to get to him? How expensive it would be for you to get a flight to Jerusalem to talk to Jesus. He can't talk to you in person, but the Holy Ghost can. He said, I'm one, but I'm going to send one of the like kind. I'm going to send one of my same nature. I'm going to send him to you. And he calls him the helper, which is the parakletos in Greek. It means the advocate. It means one that's called alongside to us. So what does the church do about the Holy Spirit? They try to scare us so that we don't want Him. Then us Pentecostals get a hold of the Spirit of God and we act crazy with it. So that if, if the church didn't scare them, we do. Right? So many people are afraid of Pentecost. And they ought to be because we're a little bit nuts. At least we appear to be. But that's us. That ain't the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. The Helper. The Comforter. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. Those are some of the names that He gives to the one Spirit of God. The Spirit of Truth, He says. He's going to lead you and He's going to guide you. And that's where He says... He's going to convict the world of sin. Now, when we see this, there's something in the heart of Christians that says, oh, conviction, that's awful. No, conviction's wonderful. See, until you take something out of the dark and bring it into the light, he can't do it. He can't touch it. If we quit concealing our sin and start bringing our sin into the light, Jesus will heal that and deliver you from that. Good preaching. Thank you. He's going to convict us of sin. Praise you, Jesus. And most of you in here have been convicted of sin. Today, I think probably some of us have been convicted of weight. Not this weight. <laughs> I walk in conviction of this weight. <laughs> Things you're carrying. But he says he's going to convict you of sin and of righteousness. And the church says, what's that all about? And I preached this sermon a few weeks ago. I'm, I, I just, I hate it. That the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the sent out ones, this building is not the church, you are the church. Amen. And I hate the fact that we don't understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that if I stood up today and said, all you saints of God, all you righteous in Christ, stand with me, there'd be four people stand up. Because the Holy Ghost needs to convict us that we are not the worms of the earth. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
And it's not what you have done. It's a gift of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He said, He took your sin and He gave you His righteousness. So you let the Holy Ghost convict you of righteousness. In other words, you let the Spirit of God say, You are righteous. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you walk. It changes how you talk. It changes everything about you. Appreciate your enthusiasm. (laughs) Both of you. He says he'll convict us of judgment. Then he says this. He says the spirit of truth when he comes. He's going to do four things. When the spirit of truth. he, He lists these. Four things. He's going to guide you into all truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by truth. Thy word is truth. Too many people are reading the word without the spirit. See, the, the word of God is a spiritual book and it needs, you need the Holy Spirit to open it up. Show me words of life. Show me the divine power. Show me the plan of God. Show me the wisdom of heaven. Too many Christians are walking in the wisdom of this earth. And I'm thankful you are. But what if God adds heavenly wisdom on your earthly wisdom? You'll be a powerhouse. You will do things and people will be amazed. And when they say great things that you have done, you make sure you give the glory to Jesus. Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of his own authority. But he'll take what he hears and he'll give it to you, the wisdom of God. I don't know how you see this. I play things out in my mind. I see the Spirit of God floating around in heaven. And he hears what the Father says. And he takes what the Father says and he brings it down to you. And he gives you life. You can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not about stupid human tricks. It's not about people falling on the floor and writhing like a snake. Just grab their hand and say, get up. Stop that nonsense. That is nonsense. Seen a guy howl at the moon one time. That ain't the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost ain't going to cause you to howl. Maybe bark, but not howl. (laughs) Been there, done that. I've seen some strange things. The Holy Spirit's not strange. But the Holy Spirit's going to open your heart up to receive heavenly wisdom. Not earthly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom. He says he will tell you of things to come. You know, when I was a kid, uh, we had this guy at church one time. He's preaching. He says, he's preaching on this. He said, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you things that's going to happen. It's 1980. He said, do you know the president's going to be shot this year? The next day, President Reagan was shot. My mother said, I think he had something to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got to love Christians. It's easier to believe something crazy like that rather than believing that God could tell you something. I was on a basketball court one day as my kids were playing. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, your son is cussing the other kids out. Now, my son was a Christian. He's known as a Christian. Loved Jesus with all his heart. 
But he's so competitive. So I told him, I said, Matt, we need to go to... Sorry about that, Matt. <laughs> One of my sons... <laughs> I said, Matt, we need to go to breakfast tomorrow. And um, so he said, okay, Dad. They always looked forward to that, except the time that I took him to breakfast and gave him the sex talks. They didn't like that. <laughs> are, we, are we going back to that, that log cabin restaurant? Yeah, we're going back there. And so the, the, he was excited about going to breakfast with me, he and just he and I. And I, you know, we just having pleasantries just being father and son. And I said, Matt, I said, the Lord told me something last night as I was watching you play ball and I need to discuss it with you. And I told him what I just told you. He put his head down and big old tears began to drop out of his eyes. He said, Daddy, that's right. Help me. Would you pray for me? I said, you better know I will. See, the Holy Spirit didn't come to criticize you. He didn't come to chastise you. But God will chastise us. But he came to correct us in love. He came to encourage us. And He came to get some things out of your life. Therefore, He will share with you the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. And He's got things that He wants to to tell us. And He'll tell us things that you have no way of knowing. Two things I have spoken into people's lives today. And I won't tell what they are, but I know I heard the Spirit of God. I know the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Do you tell that? Tell this person that. Tell the other one. It's the Spirit of God. Number four, He will glorify me and take what is mine and declare to you. I promise I'm closing. Glorify means to give God the reverence and worship He deserves. She already read this verse. John 4, 24. God is a Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and the truth. There is one thing about Spirit-filled people. Their worship. Just, the Lord convicted me this weekend as I sat in that men's group and he said, don't shy away from the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be like all the other churches. See, people that's coming to this church, they're desiring more. They want to see the fire of God. Not the craziness of people. They want to see genuine. They want to experience the genuine. One preacher said this, We live in a show-and-tell gospel. I love that. God will show you, but He shows you things so you can go tell the world. This is how good God is. See, every one of us, every, every person in this is broken. We all start really broken. And the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to heal us and put us back together again. But we are still fragile. Right? The Bible says what in 2 Corinthians 4, 7? It says this spirit, this, this preciousness, this treasure of God dwells in a fragile clay pot. That's you. That's this. This body, I wish we could get this. This body contains the most powerful thing in earth and heaven. The spirit of God. I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think according to the power that's within you. The Spirit of God wants to be released in you to bring you from one level, I don't want to say to another level, but to an incalculable 
level. The roof is taken off of our ceiling. We are climbing with God. But to do that, we got to be willing to be unoffendable. Bad things coming this way. Transitions are coming. I'm, I'm telling you, if you're not in a transition right now, get ready. Because you're probably getting ready to go through one. Don't let the enemy set a trap that's going to take you out. Trust the Lord. Trust that the Holy Spirit is going to get you through that. He knows what, what, what is in, in store. Someone asked me just a week or so ago, what's that mean? God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I think a lot of people are just worshiping in flesh. To worship him in spirit is to allow your spirit to worship him. See, God communicates us, not God to my mind, but it's God to my spirit. We're spiritual creatures. We're made in God's image. And God wants to speak to your spirit. And God wants to then allow that spirit of you to worship him in spirit and in truth. What's truth? The word. So we worship in in spirit and in word. In the word of God, which is truth. Would you stand with me? I am not going to ask you who is in transition because it's really none of my business. But I've come to encourage you today. In that transition, trust God. Number one, everything that he's got in store for you is good and he wants to bless your life and he blesses you so you'll be a blessing to others the reason god genesis chapter 12 abraham i'm going to bless you not just to hoard it up but to be a blessing to the other nations child of god listen to me god wants to bless you but this is where the prosperity doctrine gets it wrong god wants to bless you not so your bank account gets big and you can buy many houses God wants to bless you so you'll be a blessing to others. Be a blessing. God wants to bless you. There's no bad side with God. James chapter 1. There's no shadow of turning. You hear my voice? You can trust Him. And you can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God on this earth right now. And you can trust Him. Don't judge Him by us. Because he's good. He's all wise. And we have misrepresented the Holy Spirit to some extent. Now, has there been some good things about the Pentecostal church? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not ashamed of my heritage. Did we get some things wrong along the way? Yep. Yep. When we tell you how long you can wear your hair or, or you got to wear a skirt that's down to your ankle or whatever, that's nonsense. Is the Bible teaching... Some principles that Christians ought to be modest. That's exactly what he's teaching. We got, in our liberty, we went way over. And we got into legalism. And now we're making our way. Do you know when I grew up, I did not know the message of grace at all. Thank God for the Baptist. The Baptist has got the message of grace. And many of you came out of the Baptist church. And I'm thankful that you got that foundation of 
the grace and the goodness of God. You know, some of the best pastors I've ever met are spirit-filled blank. They're spirit-filled Lutheran or spirit-filled Presbyterians or spirit-filled Baptists or spirit-filled Catholics. They become power. Why? Because they have the organization that we skipped. They have the doctrine and the foundation that we didn't get. And then now they've received the spirit, the powerhouse of God. And now they are doing great things for God because they've got, they've got the spirit and truth. You get it? So we're not asking you ever to divorce what you grew up with unless you grew up in a cult. We're asking you, allow the Spirit of God take you to the next level. Right? Father God, I pray for these folks right now under the sound of my voice, Lord. Father, Lord, that I believe today many are going through a transition in life. And Lord, I want them to realize that during these transition, the devil has traps set for them. And God, we don't want to fall prey to the trap. But we want to walk in liberty and freedom and wisdom. So we're going to trust you and we're going to lean into the Holy Spirit to tell us things that, that we may need to know. That we have no way of knowing. So God, I pray right now, would you let the Holy Spirit take what he is hearing the Father saying and bring it down to the individual right now and give us the wisdom of God. Father, thank you for your safety and your protection and the blessing that you have brought to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are forewarning so that we would be forearmed today. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jason, come up here and end with a blessing. I've got it written right there. I do. I have it written for you. May I raise your hand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. And go in peace and serve the Lord.